0: Welcome to the Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro, the ultimate angling experience. Welcome to the Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro, and I've got with me today two incredibly special guests. Now, a lot of the time we feature fishing on this show, and there is a little bit of a fishing link, but there is more of a football link today, because I've got two absolute legends of football. None other. And Paul Parker and Tony Gale. gentlemen,
1: welcome first and foremost. Hi you nice look to, terrified, good to see you, Rob. <laughs> yeah, we are terrified. Having, <laughs> having spent weeks fishing with you, we are terrified. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's
0: talk, um, let's talk fishing first. Then you're fairly new to the game.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, very new, uh, novices, in fact, aren't we? But serious novices, uh, but. The enjoyment it gives you when it takes you out of your comfort zone is was brilliant. Uh, we've filmed two series now. One's already been out, Angling Outlaws, which was terrific, where we had a competition between the four of us, myself, Paul, Frank McIverney, and Paul Walsh, uh, which was brilliant. The second series, which is going to come out, I think, or second sort of documentary show, is going to be special, really special. Yes. You, could, you just feel it. And uh, the first one was great, you know, taking us out of that comfort zone. International mentors that we had individually as well. It was great. And uh, we did get in a bit of a state at times. <laughs> <laughs> well, Both we'll, of us. We'll, yeah.
0: we'll come to that. What was your perception of fishing before you started? You know, you, you hadn't been fishing before. Uh, I, I seem to remember you uh, you giving quite an interesting interview before. And we were saying, look, you know, Paul Parker of fishing. What's, what's going to happen here?
2: My perception of fishing was... And I'm just boring people. They had nothing to do. <laughs> Sit around. I love the boring person. Throw a load of maggots in bits of bread, and and that's it. Then once you step into it, it was still exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> no, um No, seriously. <clears throat> once I started, I didn't want to. I've got to say it myself. Before Gadi comes in and starts trying to get all over it, I didn't want to touch fish. Yeah, didn't want to touch them. I definitely did not want to even think about putting a maggot on a hook. Lucky enough, we don't do a lot. It's moved on fishing on on the bait side of things. But I've enjoyed it. I really do. Once I get going over that first bit of touching a fish, you know, a cold fish, once I get over that, I really enjoy it.
0: It it, it was such a good laugh doing that first series. The second series was great as well, but some people that were watching this might have seen the first series as well. But the banter between the boys was, was brilliant. You're hugely competitive with each other.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think we went there originally, didn't we? Yeah, we, we we went there originally just to think, oh, like it's it's going to be a laugh and whatever. But once you start getting in with it, you, it's not against each other. It's it's kind of against yourself as well. Yes, because
2: you don't want to you don't want to mug
1: yourself you off. Want, do you? we made a true. good job of it, really. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, you don't want to let yourself down. You want to you want to match. You want to mo- just at least match everyone around you. Frank was the problem one, weren't he? Frank MacAvaney was the problem in the first one. He's the one who took it seriously, and and he, like virtually when he when he missed something, he was sulking he had a few little tantrums he was, as well
0: he was a bit of a dark horse as well Frank wasn't he, he, was, uh, he was all nice and friendly but he was hugely competitive with everything just, just for those of you that are watching this that might not know what we're talking about we made a series last year that was out on BT Sport it was called Angling Outlaws and we took four of these lads out fishing that had never touched a fishing rod before and we wanted to see whether we could take them from complete novices to fairly competent anglers in literally just one week and it was hilarious Gailey one of the highlights for me was your casting expertise you were <laughs> just so good
1: <laughs> when it came to casting well it, trees <laughs> floor squirrels <laughs> squirrels you know it. it it was brilliant uh you know we was doing different kinds of uh different kind of methods to the fishing but it ended up when we was just uh just on the rod and it was on the band yeah but when we were trying the other things that's when it comes in and you're all fingers and thumbs and i was getting really annoyed and
0: your fingers and thumbs are a little bit bigger than most yeah, other people's I was fingers getting, and thumbs. I was getting ones, like a
1: little bit peed off of it, to be honest, Rob. But uh, in the second series, I was okay. Oh, I was yes. good. Like, no, I I got my head round it. I slowed down, I think. When you try to do things in a hurry when you're fishing and you're at your comfort zone, that's when you get in a bit of a state. And, you're, oh, you know, like, do this, do that, do the other. And I had Nick Speed, who was brilliant, absolutely brilliant with me. But, uh, I had him in hysterics as well. What a what a lad he is, mate! Right. It was
0: it was it was great, great fun, and I hope that we've we've sort of introduced you to something that you can now at least understand and see why people like it, and ideally we'd like to get you back out again at some
2: stage too. I would like to go out, and the only problem is that it's twice now I've done, gone and done it, but it's like virtually having to start from scratch again. Yeah. As you start, to get yourself going, you feel comfortable it suddenly stops. Yeah. And, that, and, that's, and that's the thing about it, really. That's the, that's the real shame of it.
0: Well, that's the thing with uh, starting a new sport, isn't it? You've just got to try and keep at it and you, you soon pick it up. But we will take you back out again. Look, I'm, I'm going to step on now and I'd like to talk about your former careers. You know, you are both hugely successful footballers. You've both won some very, very impressive titles. So what what got you into football in the, in the first place, Tony in, in particular?
1: I just loved it. Uh, I grew up in a footballing family, although none of them were any good. <laughs> my dad would tell you if he was still around how good he was, but no, they was just football mad. Uh, he used to take me down to Chelsea to watch Chelsea. He had a season ticket along with my uncle and the cousin of mine who's the same age. So that was it, watching Chelsea, playing down what we call the yard or down the playground from day till night. And just being totally inv- involved in football. Going for a trial at Fulham at age 11. It was trials in those days, wasn't it? Going for a trial. And they don't realise that they've actually got you on the books until you start playing representative games or whatever. And then you, you get to sign schoolboy forms at the age of about 14. And then bang, that's it. And you're channelled. That's all you want to do. You want to be a footballer. So all the education went out the window. And it was football-based football based I don't know about you. No. I don't think we're the best educated. We've got probably more of an education now since we worked in media and we yeah. worked with some highly intelligent people in the broadcasting streams. Uh, not yourself, Rob. Um, <laughs> 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 commentators, producers, directors, you know, travelling. You know, I'm just as pleased with my media career as I am with my football career, yes. but I haven't been... I've been touch wood lucky. I haven't been a day out of work for nearly 50 years. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. So,
0: Paul, you know, Paul. Again, let's let's talk football. You had a glittering career, Manchester United. That is just an amazing club. For, sorry, West Ham. Sorry for West Ham fans uh, <laughs> watching this. Obviously, um, it must have been a, a, amazing. Firstly, being picked up by Man United, and then pulling a shirt on.
2: Yeah, it was. I mean, you. We all want to play football, and I started playing football from the age of eight for a, a Cubs side and <clears throat> church across the road. But you aim for something. But so when I, I went to Fulham at the age of eleven. Used to train once a week in Dagenham, then school holidays, and it progressed from there. And no different to Tony. 14, you sign schoolboy forms, me, no other club can touch you. 16, you sign apprentice, and then you hope then that you can do something. I made my debut at 17. Didn't make any difference. I still had to do my apprenticeship. Clean boots even after I played in the first team with him. Who
0: Who were you cleaning boots for?
2: Don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Who was he cleaning boots for? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, good. so, lucky, enough, then I moved to QPR, you know, which. When, is,
0: when was the boot cleaning, just to go back to that? Well, 16. 16. Yes. Um, yeah, so, uh, and no, you were 21 then?
2: 18. When I was 18, that was when I signed apprentice. Sorry. Yeah. You know, 16 to 18.
0: So, what year would that be?
2: 1980. 1980. When I, when so, you've
0: known each other quite a long time then. Well, I
2: was, I was
1: apprentice and pro before Paul, just being a little bit older. So, When I was in 1977, I made my debut. So it must have been 76 that I was apprentice. But I actually made my debut when I was apprentice. So um, Paul was very young when he got in the side as well. But as I was sort of coming to the end, uh, I was going to leave Fulham. I left at 24. I think for a couple of years, that's when Paul started breaking through, wasn't it? And made his... I must have played when you made your debut. He was, yeah. Yeah.
2: Against Reading, yeah, in Mm. 1981.
0: I seem to remember a very interesting goal there as well. Was that on Reading? was it Reading that no it was Reading with um, with Man United that was the one I was yeah. thinking about yeah that was yeah. A, that was an amazing goal it, that w- was. it certainly it was that your only one
2: no I've got more than that by the way <laughs> yeah. um, but to be honest if I'd experienced scoring more goals I could have claimed that it might have been goal of the month <laughs> <laughs> it's just the fact of was, what do I do next
0: it was just I think, I think everybody was surprised uh, <laughs> that that uh, went in it was you're an, killing it for <laughs> me but mate look it went in
2: it did go didn't it, in it?
0: It. It, went, it doesn't matter whether it goes in off someone's backside over the line or whether it's an overhead volley in the World Cup final if it's gone in, it's gone in. It was
2: needed as well because we was on the edge then, United. When we was at Reading as well, because it yes. was in January, it was on an icy pitch, and I've just I come on a sub, yeah, and. And that one just come across and just
0: amazing. Mm. I, lo- I, I I remember the commentary on that as well. I love the commentary on it too. That was uh, it was just amazing. But what what a fantastic experience. Look, this I told you this was going to be a little bit different to normal. And, and you know, it, it, it's great to talk about some of the big things. But for for somebody that is a, a football fan. Um, But I'm not hugely into football. I follow Wolves. I like a little bit of football. I'd love to hear some of the backroom stories. You know, some of these things that go on behind the scenes about what football was like and how football's changed. And one of the things I just want to talk about is the old apprenticeship of, you know, you
2: had to clean boots,
0: didn't you? You know, let's talk, when you were an apprentice, you had to clean boots.
2: Well, that was the easy. Cleaning the boots was was part, you thought you was going to do it it as the rest of it. Like the cleaning the toilets you know, going into the stand, the old the, the Stevenage, that Stevenage Road stand, we have to clean the toilets in there, and and that stand still there, still exactly the same. The toilets are newer, but yeah. there was gross. Everything was awful. What you had to do, but. It was part and parcel and it was part of making you into a better person. Yeah. I definitely got no complaints. It
0: seems unthinkable now that, that somebody that might be on the books of Manchester United as a as a schoolboy premier player now would actually have to go out and clean other boots or, or clean toilets or brush stands or you know, the game is a very different place now it, to what it, it used has, to be. I
2: don't I mean it's something for me that would make these young lads it doesn't matter if it's Man United, Manchester United or it's Carlisle United. Yeah. And Carlisle United lads, I'm quite sure that they still do a bit of work. They haven't got the easy easy road like the top the top clubs give it to their players, but I just think it will make them better people in in the long term. The longer game, the bigger picture. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's uh, it's quite grounding, isn't it? Yeah. Let, boot boot cleaning as well. And uh, we've had a very brief conversation about this in the past. But can you just mention when you were an apprentice some of the people that you cleaned boots for? We know that you clean galleys. <laughs> yeah. Who did you clean I was lucky.
1: When I got to Fulham, uh, 16 years of age, signed Apprentice, it was um, Bobby Moore was there. And just the next season, George Best and Rodney Marsh signed. Wow. So basically, uh, my tips, unlike me tipping you, I didn't give you much before you mentioned it. (laughs) Uh, Rodney Marsh used to be sponsored by Puma. So he used to get a new pair of Mm. boots every couple of weeks. Uh, Puma King Pella, you'll remember Mm. them, won't you? They were the top boots at the time. But he'd only used to wear wear the boots for two weeks and then say, do you want the boots? Well, I made more out of selling his boots than I did out my <laughs> apprenticeship money. I had 16 quid a week as an apprentice and I was selling the boots at about 20 quid a time then because <laughs> they was probably one of the most expensive yeah. ones around. And, and, and Rodney Marshes. That they're Rodney Marshes. Yeah. Uh, I wish I'd have kept a few now. Marshy's yeah. actually popping over in a couple of weeks for oh, the uh, West Ham Fulham game and I always remind him and he's... Um, he, say, he said to me last time, he sh- I said, I'm short of a few quid now, Gailey. You've had a few yeah. quid off medicine. <laughs> but he was, they were characters and they were character yeah. building. Yeah, Bobby Moore was a footballing royalty. Yeah. Yeah, George Best, who was. George, George Best. Best. Yeah. And Marshy, who was a, a footballing maverick. But as Paul said, you had to be in at eight o'clock in the morning. You had to prepare everything for training, put it into big skips like this, uh, big silver skips. Yeah get it off to the training ground on the minibus, put it all out for the players. The players trained, and you trained with the players. You then put the kit, all the dirty kit, back in the skip. You went back, then went back to the ground. Don't forget you've done your training as well. Mm-hmm. We forget what long days it was. Go back to the ground, sling it all in the washing machine with the the, uh, the laundry lady there, clean all the boots. And if there was any chores to do, like Paul mentioned, toilet, sweeping terraces, painting the uh, standing rails in the yeah. ground, do that, and you'll be leaving the club at wow. six, seven o'clock. Sometimes it was a,
2: it was a full day. Yeah.
1: yeah, doesn't sound like there
0: was a lot of time for football, actually. No. no. <laughs> <Is it>?
1: no. <laughs> well, you it, sometimes you were you were knackered come, we come knackered training. All, yeah. It was a it was a tiring old week, but, and it was all peaking for the weekend to play on
2: a Saturday, wasn't it? It was, but the, just just during pre-season, so we're training at a place Barclays Bank, wasn't it, in Roehampton? Their their facility, the Bank of England, Bank of England, yeah. So. We would go there as apprentices, and like Tony said, we'd been early in the morning. We'd get all the bags together in a minibus, get everything there, and then all. The, then we'd go out and train pre-season. It was a double. It was a double session, so we would train, and then we'd have to get all the first-team balls together. Virtually help set up their session in the afternoon. By the time we got back in for something to eat, there was hardly anything left for us to eat for lunch. So we'd be virtually sitting around picking up like lettuce leaves, and and then. <laughs> We would go out, and we would just run and run and run. The first team would do some ball stuff. They'd go in, we will keep going, and then we'd go in and there'd just be everything on the floor. Sweaty stuff on the floor. It was just carnage. It, was, it wasn't was It wasn't good. But there was the fun part of it, because after training
1: sometimes on a Friday, we used to train, uh, train locally, but we used to take the van. We all used to get in the van, didn't we? It was a minibus, like yeah. when we were both in the first team then. So the first team went up the road to train at the park, didn't they? Remember Mm -hmm. when we trained up the park just up the road from Fulham? So they they didn't want to use the training ground. They'd probably run out of money. So they trained up the local park. We used to have this really competitive like six or seven a side game. All jumped back in the van and you always used to vote for the worst player of the morning. Yellow jersey. Yeah. yeah. And you got a yellow jersey. So what happened was the van doors were open at the back and the the short drive back to down Buckingham, uh, Fulham Palace Road. Yeah out the back and they had to run behind the van no. with everybody during them. So you can, ima- can
2: you imagine like a, a top class down well scene today, now, running down? <laughs> yeah. and some, one of the you players running run behind the a van. There was actually running over Putney Bridge. Oh, yeah. It was over the Putney yeah. Bridge.
0: It's yeah. <laughs> wow. mm. uh, uh, just incredible. But, you know, the, the camaraderie that there would have been back then, that There's football's changed an awful lot, hasn't it? You know, for the better and for the worst. There are, there are parts of the game now that are so much better, you know, the science, I think, the nutrition, all of these things are a lot better, but there's a, there's a few unsavoury bits with it as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the camaraderie's great because uh, it's like friends for life. Yeah. So it doesn't matter, like, if you went on to play with Man United and mm. whoever was playing, uh, one of the top players, Mark Hughes at the time, say I played at Blackburn, Alan Shearer. My best friends are the guys I signed Apprentice with at Fulham, yeah. and they remain my best mm. friends. Yeah. You know, you come across loads of players in a, a career, playing career spanning 20 years, I suppose, the pair of us each. But uh, it's it's the ones at the start that remain the closest to you, I think, and they're, and they're, they're your real friends. Yes. Because you've been through all the crap with them. Yes, yeah, 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 real yeah. great. But, it, but the other stuff, like the, the sports science and everything, has changed everything now, Rob. You can't go near anyone. You yeah. can't insult anyone. Players are not growing up in a grown-up career uh, frame of mind now do we think, were men at 16
0: yeah do you uh, uh, yeah. Uh, i i've i had with our england team recently very similar conversations about oh the uh, you that, won uh, the
1: world cup congratulations <laughs> thank you very much i'm glad you mentioned that
0: glad you mentioned i was wondering how I'd slide that in there somewhere. but uh, yes the, the you know one one of the things that stands out with with um, my squad for uh, for the the angling world championship squad at the moment is that you know they're all very solid men There's there's no room to be anything other than good, solid, dependable, hardworking, and to a degree, it's the same with the women. There's no iron team, is there? Is no iron team? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and and I think, well, do you think that this is one of the problems with the game now? When let's look at where England are at the moment. You know, we've had some pretty bad news at the moment with England football. Uh, a lot of people are pointing fingers at a number of people. Is it the players? Is it the players don't have the passion? Is it the manager? Is the manager lost his way? Has he not got his right tactics? Is it the system? Is it is it the world in general?
1: You know what? What would you think is? It's, it's a particularly difficult World Cup this time around because it comes as it is in the the middle of a season. Or yeah, the, certainly in the middle of our season. But I think it it work to our benefit because everybody moans at the. World Cup's there at the end of the season. Such a long, hard season they've had and everything. But if you have a look at all the clubs around the world who are going to the World Cup at the moment, not one is in a good place. Hmm. Not one is, oh, they're bang on form. You know, they've won the last 10 games. Well, Argentina <laughs> but, are doing pretty well. They've not yeah, lost for 35 but, games. Uh, yeah, but that doesn't mean that you're going to win the World Cup. That, yeah. that means you're going into it in good form. But sometimes some of the England teams in the past have gone into it with adversity and then got together... Come tournament time, but once you get through the group stage, it's a cup game. Yeah, yeah. It's all it is is a. It's like playing in the FA Cup, or it's a bigger stage, League Cup, European Cup.
2: It's a one-off game. You can beat anyone.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or lose.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the thing for me was that England have had the opportunity for the first time in years and years to play two competitive games prior prior to going to a World Cup. Before you're playing they play friendlies or they're still playing yeah. at back end of group games end up winning sevens sixes yeah. and all of a sudden England are going to win the World Cup they're singing songs oh it's coming home all that and I, I scratch my head and why are we doing that for this time we've had we've been given two lessons yeah. one against Italy yeah. and in Germany it was just the cry and shame was two great football nations who were so poor Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: both of them were poor poor defensively things aren't right even German fans are mostly asking about their manager. is he right. The worst thing England can ever do is to get rid of their manager before a World Cup. That would make us third rate if we'd done that. Yeah. Southgate has been to a final, been to a semi, and I look at the. You do look at the players, and you have to. You can't keep blaming managers. Everyone's saying he's not playing attacking enough. He's not doing that. He plays to what our strengths are, yeah. and our strengths are is that we're not. Oh, that we generally work quite hard. As a nation when we play football we play with our hearts yeah, yeah. that's the bit that england have lost now because yeah. all of a sudden now we're judging the players on their club form the dip, yes. the problems of our club form <coughs> is that <coughs> the key players at every club we go to is not english yes they're foreign based teams yeah. and that's the problem and everyone's trying to judge those players yeah. and that's the reason why again everyone's having a go at the players but they're blaming the manager for not picking other players and those yeah. other players will struggle in an international football because it is 100% a different game um, international football it's about being clever about space not about a man
0: you you won't believe how much that resonates with me from the angling point of view as well because we, we see that I know we're talking football now but I dare say it's the same with any other sport that our domestic game is so different to the international game whether it's fishing whether it's football whether it's I dare say a number of other sports as well it's just a completely different aspect when you go onto the international scene you know there isn't a hiding place there you can't hide on the international scene mm. you found that very very quickly and and a lot of the time you'll get people that say oh yeah you should be fielding this player because he's good at home he might be good for doncaster rovers as a prime mm. example, but he ain't going to be any good in England if he's pa- playing with with a completely different set of players. So that skill set is different. How Paul, you've been in a World Cup as well, you know. Let's let's talk back to that World Cup. What's the what's the pressure like on you as a player? How different is it at World Cup level to either standard international level or you know high level domestic level Premier League?
2: I was lucky because I went to a World Cup and I weren't going to play. In my head, I weren't going to play. I'd, mm. Bobby Robson never gave caps away. Yeah. If his nan mostly, sorry, I should say, if his mum said she wanted to play, Bobby Robson mostly you say, "No, you're not going. You can't have a cap." Yeah. Bobby Robson would not give them away. Yeah. He just believed you got to earn them. So you spent time in the stands, sat on the bench, and then you might have got on. So I went to a World Cup with 15 minutes of competitive football, yeah. international behind me. Yeah. Two friendlies, I think I played before that. Yeah. Um, but, oh, so I went out there so when I went there was no fear because of the fact of I told myself I wasn't going to play mm. and then I ended up playing and by then I was just numb in the sense of kind of what am I doing here what's going on yeah. and fear didn't even get closer I, f- coming, I would turn around and say I was more concerned about playing the game for Manchester United yeah. at Old Trafford than what I was playing for England during that World Cup period
0: Wow Wow That's, You had a glittering career at Manchester United you were there for how long? Five years. Five years. Mm. So, um, throughout that period, let's talk because you've got something on the uh, on the desk down there that we're going to have a look at in a minute. Mm. Um, talk to me about your highlights and what it was like being at Manchester United setup.
2: Well, the highlight was obviously getting the opportunity to go there, which came just at the last minute. Before yep. I was almost maybe mind up, I was going to sign for Spurs, um, and I sat with Terry Venables, yep. and I was going to sign. Yep. Um, it meant I could stay in London. <clears throat> but Man United coming late, mm-hmm. Terry Venables just says, you've got to go, Got you can't not talk to a football club, be rude. Yep. But then he followed up by saying, but once you go there, you won't come back. Right. Enough.
0: And, and that was it?
2: And, and Yeah, but I had no intention of staying there, no intention at all. Yeah. It's only when I got there, the crowd, the the car park, which you know, was at the front, was actually on the ground yeah, itself. Yeah. Everyone used to park there and that was just full yeah. of cars all around it. Now, you know, it's, it's empty, you yeah, know it's you okay. can't get on it anymore because of the shop and that. And it was packed. And I thought there was a game going on, but it was just people visiting.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. A museum, the club shop, and it just kind of opened my eyes to football outside of London.
0: And did that make your decision there and then? As soon as you got there, that was it?
2: I think walking around, just walking around the stadium yeah. when it was empty. Because I played there a few times for QPR. Walking around, people in the stand who were coming down to off of their museum trip and all the bits around the ground and they, they sat in one in one block. It must have been 50, 60 people sat in one block. One woman got up and said, are you going to sign Paul?
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, wow. how, does, how does she know that was me? I mean, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, no one really knew. It was last minute. Left at 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning. No intentions of going north. At 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm walking around, walking around the pitch at Old Trafford and I just said yes. Wow. I might have mugged myself off. I think I lost a bit of money on that because the boss was next to me, yeah, so he yeah. knew it was going to be easy. That I'd made my mind up; I was going to sign. But I just knew then that I had to had to try it. Yes, because yeah. if you don't try, you never know. So I could have been in a comfort zone of playing in London, close to all my mates, or I'm going to test myself, going to a club which has got, you know, which had had big achievements over years, but had been kind of fighting a battle for 24 years at that time of being nowhere near winning a league title again.
0: There'd, there'd been a lot with Liverpool going on prior to that as well. So Manchester United really were the phoenix coming out of the ashes at that stage, weren't they? Yeah. Just who who else was there at the time? What sort of names were you playing alongside? Well, I signed
2: on the same. I ended up signing on the same day as um, Big Peter Schmeichel and Andre Konchelskis. Yeah. Um, and then there was see Mark Hughes, Brian McClair, Brian Robson, Steve Bruce, Gary Pallister, yeah. um, Dennis Irwin. Neil Webb was still there Danny Wallace was still there from Paul wintz yeah so but then it was a squad of 15 16 players Max yeah that's, that's what it was not like today of Forty-five, fifty, and yeah. say <laughs> come out and say your squad's not big enough it's a bit different
0: but huge names not just in in domestic football but on the international scale as well and there's a lot of international players there england internationals at, at manchester united at that stage
2: oh there was yeah there was quite there was quite a few obviously scottish internationals welsh and that it yeah. was it was that point of when you when i walked in walked into the dressing room my first thing i had to do i had two nights in the hotel then i had to then fly to austria because they was playing the pre-season game against Austria Vienna, sorry Rapid Vienna. Yeah, yeah. Um, they'd been travelling around Europe off the back of winning the Cup Winners Cup in '91, so they'd been travelling around Europe. They, and I walked into the dressing room. You know, all I'd done is played against them. And they turn some of them look at me and just virtually say, "We're knackered." Yeah, yeah. You know, we've been travelling yeah. around, we're playing the game. <clears throat> I end up winning man of the match. Yeah. And we get five 0 We get beat well, five nil. Blimey. It's just I mean the players were shattered yeah, and that was my yeah. introduction to Manchester United and such and the players right. I think they were they didn't really I don't think they were that bothered about me because there's all fed up a travelling around everywhere. Yeah, but my tester was when I went to the cliff for the first time for a pre season and Brian McLare, a <laughs> very studious fella, very, very bright as well, just walked up to me and he just looked at me and he goes, If you've come up here and muck about as a Londoner He goes, I don't think many people stand for that here.
0: Really? So there was a bit of north-south animosity then,
2: and I just kind of went no, and it it was a little bit for a while. I kind of didn't know how to take Brian McLeir. We ended up at the back end of my time at United. We shared a room,
0: yeah.
2: You know, and so that's how it was. But he was just—he was the main person in there. He was like, I think the boss, the boss loved him, but loved to have a go at him as well. But he was the one who sussed people out to see whether or not they really had it in them.
0: I think that's the same with, with, with high level players all the time isn't it certainly with captains you've got, to, you've got to get straight in and work out who's what there's no time for messing around
2: well United no was all about they wanted, they wanted players to achieve things they wanted players who wanted what they wanted and all those players wanted a league title because they just knew what that would make them yeah. become in Manchester was Well, back. I should say one half of Manchester back in the game Yeah, back in the game
0: um, you've got a very special box down there mm-hmm. is there any chance we can have a look inside it and you can tell us what it is
2: Oh, you are? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. got, yeah
2: there we go. That's Thank you very I'll much. Lean over
0: there and pass that over. This is just a huge piece of sporting memorabilia. Right. Um, something that I've seen before, but never in real life. And this is just absolutely incredible.
2: So, when we won the first Premier League title, every individual player got given one of these. Plus, members of the staff as well. There's only so many of them were made and they never done this again. Yeah. But it's a replica of, obviously, the trophy.
0: So, and tell us exactly what it is.
2: Well, it's the Premier League winners. That's what it is. The 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 first one, 92, 93. Yeah and the following season we won again because we've done a double but that's when they
0: oh, oh uh, just throw that in yeah, oh, sorry. oh yeah we've well, done just a double to,
2: but then <laughs> yeah. you get then you it's like the year after <laughs>
0: um, oh we'll come to <laughs> that in a minute we'll come to but that but there's
2: that a, co- a the coin one is the next one after that but <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's just only just a few of these ones
0: yeah So that's, that's, an, uh, that's just an amazing thing to see mm-hmm. you know any, any football fan out there will be hugely impressed by seeing that whether they're Manchester mm-hmm. United Liverpool or whoever just absolutely fantastic superb Um, Gailey I'm going to come to you now you spent the majority of your time in London but you did go up north for a while at the end of your career
1: yeah um, obviously it started in Ful started at Fulham as Paul said so 16 in the team 18 captain 18 captain uh, captain in a load of experienced players quite quite a thing they put it on me you know so I was pleased I had that Uh, got to uh, we missed out on promotion. Uh, Paul was uh, Paul was in the squad then. Missed out on promotion, getting up with Fulham, and then um, the, the year after they started blooding a load of youngsters. And I thought, I'm not going through another sea change of mm-hmm. players. And it was six six years I've been there already, and I played 330 games by the time I was 24. That's and I thought huge amounts. I know, and I thought this is I've had I've had enough. I, you know, I was a bit older than Paul, so. Uh, My contract was coming to in the end, so I was was looking to get away. Like Paul, two clubs came in at the same time, West Ham and Chelsea. Um, I signed for West Ham. My dad wanted me to sign for Chelsea, but I signed for West Ham. And I told him the reasons why, and he was happy with that. Stayed there for 10 years. Probably stayed there for a little bit too long, actually, if I look back at it. But 10 years, had a testimonial year as well, which was brilliant at the end of it. Uh, that was another 370 games there and then at the end uh, when you get released by West Ham they they promised me a two year contract but they reneged on it at the last minute which I'd never forgiven for at that time and I still think it was a wrong thing to do and I proved it it was wrong I was looking for a club and then lo and behold in come Blackburn Kevin Moran who who was at Manchester United had just retired at Blackburn and what they wanted was an experienced player to come in To help, which was a very, very young team. Not just on the pitch, but off the pitch. And there was an old pal of mine who was a coach there under Kenny Dalgleish's assistant manager, Ray Harford. It was his idea to get me in. And I'd obviously played against Kenny. So, uh, and I came in and um, we won the... Was, won a Premier League, was which, Keegan, which was great.
0: Keegan, was Keegan the manager then? Was uh, the manager no, it was Kenny
1: Dalgleish, Dalgleish was at Dalgleish was Blackburn, yeah. Upstage, right. <laughs> he's done his own work. Yeah. Yeah, and he, uh, so, Ke- Keegan was never at Blackburn. <laughs> Where well, <it> was Keegan? <laughs> Newcastle. <laughs> that was it, that was it. Sorry. Well, look, you're
0: a lot older than me. I can't remember it that he's, far he's back.
1: He's just trying to get uh, over the euphoria uh, would... of winning the World Cup, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> he's not dealing with it well, is he? Do you know it? he won but... the World Cup?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Have we mentioned that? Yeah, the... You know, at that time... You know, to win the Premier League, it was just, was just huge. It still is now, obviously. But uh,
1: Yeah, well, they won the first one, as Paul just said. Um, they won the first one. I didn't know it was 92-93. We mm. won 94-95. Yeah. Uh, and when I signed uh, with Kenny and Ray, and I was in the office and the chairman, Robert Caw at the time, and they explained why they wanted to sign me, um, I said, I think you win the league this year. Because they went close. They were second to Man United yeah. the year before. Yeah. And they ran them really close. And I was looking at the squad thinking... This is a proper squad. So I signed in the same time as Chris Sutton, who probably added to the uh, firepower that Blackburn had. They had Shearer up front, they signed Sutton. Yeah. I came in as an experienced player, and there was a couple of other players coming, in a guy called Robbie Slater, he came in in midfield. But I sat down and looked at that side, and I thought, this is talent, proper talent. Yeah. When I sat in the dressing room, I could handle it. I was 34 at the time, but I could handle it. So I felt part of it straight away. Um, and a, cu- a couple of the guys because they were younger they was all coming to me Chris was only 21 yeah. most expensive signing in British football at the time Chris Sutton and I was staying in with him for a couple of months in the hotel and so you had the likes of Tim Flowers Henning Berg all international footballers Colin Hendry uh, Graham Lasso, Jason Wilcox Stuart Ripley Paul Warhurst, Tim Sherwood uh, Chris Sutton Alan Shearer Bit uh, and then the other players who came into the side like Mike Newell like it was a proper squad proper but what impressed me most was they were all men at a young age they all knew what they wanted they'd been turned over by Man United the year before and they were so hell bent on winning the league in the end they kind of tripped over the line because yeah. they, they stalled or we stalled sorry right at the end but we got there And and to be honest I think we got beaten by Man United twice that season both by a really contentious decision. Someone got sent off in one game, Enningberg, against yeah. Lee Sharp. And then Tim Sherwood had a goal disallowed at Old Trafford, which was a goal. Yeah. All over a goal. But you, uh, yeah. at Old Trafford and Anfield, if you get decisions, yeah. you've done really well. But we at that six points we lost was, in fact, a 12-point swing. Yes. So we proved over the rest of the games that we were... Well, if you win it, you are the best team that season. Absolutely,
0: and and again, you know, I've, I've said it already in this podcast. The similarities when you were talking there, I can see so, so so many similarities to to how we are with fishing as well. That if you take a point off the team that's above you, it's actually a two point yeah. win rather than yeah. just one point. You know, you've got your point, you take them one. It's a there. swing, yeah. The 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 margin at top level sport, whether it's football whether it's angling, whether it's motorsport, you know, somebody's winning by a, a, a tenth or even a hundredth of a second. The margin in top-level sport just seems to be getting narrow narrow narrow. It's always been tight. But th- just one tiny little thing can have a huge difference on the outcome of a season. You know, you you, you lose, or you 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 lose a, a, a lead and turn it into a draw on a boring game on a Tuesday night in December.
1: That can be the point. Well, you can see it. Can't in, it? That in, you since lose you come the out the game as well. I mean, I've been commentating like load the every every level like england internationals european cups whatever and you go to all the top flight games and it's the split second decisions that cost you split seconds not sure in fishing whether it's mentally those decisions but mentally in football it is as well but the the pace of it is hard to relate to you come off the pitch and it's different if you watch the game up in the stand it's yeah. like in a slow motion thing, mm, isn't it? Well, yes. it? Really, but when you're in the pace of that game yeah. and you've got to make decisions, yeah. that is really, really quick.
2: Yeah, I'm a great player in a commentary box. Yeah, oh, f- yeah. I'll, I'll see everything. One.
1: Yeah world's best
2: oh, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing so many unbelievable passes Yeah, and the only thing is oh, I just can't make
0: them <laughs> but the, you know the, the, I, I, I commentate an awful lot on, on fishing as well which again might seem quite alien to you guys but when you watch a match there is an awful lot going on and you can see the strategy developing and you can almost see the success or the failure coming can't you, you think oh god mm. it, if if it goes that way then yes they've, they've got it if it goes the other way and you're almost willing the people to either make the right pass or the right decision and and that ability to step out of the game and watch it has, has helped me immensely as a manager yeah, being able to the, commentate and watch rather yeah, I than I think just,
1: the only difference is and I think that you're exactly right of all the strategies and all the different things and the decisions you've got to make if you've got 60,000 people shouting at you at the same time yeah and sometimes when you're away from home, mm. and it's fifty-eight thousand. They're not actually nice things. Yeah, fifty-eight thousand against you and two thousand for you. Yeah. The pressure's even more on. I'm not saying the pressure more. It's more on football than fishing because it's a different, yeah, it's a yeah. different pressure. Yeah. Yeah. But when you try to tell people, you, you kind of get used to that pressure, didn't you? People say to me, "What's it like to play in front of sixty thousand, hundred and You go, "Well, as soon as you're out there, you you yeah. kind of blank it <coughs> off." So when we're doing fishing. It's kind of the same. You are still making mistakes. It yeah, yeah. uh, can't just can't blame the crowd.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know you can. You know that you, Rob's behind you, taking him a Kevin to Kevin again. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to there. That's the wrong decision. Should have used the pole. That's the wrong bait. Oh. He hasn't or done enough. It could
1: be a young kid saying you're fishing for squirrels.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! I really, bought a few of them. You know, that, could, that could have been my first ever fight with, with an 18 year old kid. <laughs> I don't think leave I was Leave that. Gonna.
1: That's the next series. Leave it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that'll be coming, folks. <laughs> that's, a, that's a reference to a bit of fun that happened in, uh, in another competition, but more of that another time. Um, right. I'm going to come on to your careers in a minute but just solve football for me very quickly give me three points that would solve football now we've touched briefly on management solve, solve football
1: solve football salary cap Yep. for one Yep. there's a salary cap uh, more distribution to the teams down below because yep. it is a pyramid yep. and the teams that are suffering down down below are really suffering financially and it's really crippling for everyone Yeah. and for people to become I don't know if it's a sole football but to become, get off their high horses at times and become a little bit more approachable, yeah, a little bit more engaging. That's what I feel.
0: They're all modern changes, though. But well, the players, the mean? players and yeah. the
1: managers, and, you know, not to be thinking that they're in a world of their own. They're, now that I'm in the media world, we've got jobs to do as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, rather than it be a, a real chore to get in front of a camera, look, yeah. guys, we really like you. Yeah. We really like you. We want you to do well. Yeah. We're not here to hit you or hurt you. Yeah. We just want you to engage and, and, Funn- and be engaging yeah, with the, the funny thing when you're more. saying
2: that, Tony, is that some, they must have said it's you when you chat to some of these people who work with, the commentators or people with the written press, and they always say that they see all these ex pros who are now in the media, yeah, they wouldn't talk to us before, yeah, didn't want yeah. Had no interest in us, yes. you know, and that's how and, and that's what they, that's how they feel, they feel very, very much let down, yeah, by the way, did how. Hypocritical, these players have been now. They've just come out of it, and like, the ones get, just coming out, the, of it, yeah, yeah. You just, you know, we're in it, you know, we want to be involved, and obviously, you want to earn a crust as well. But you know, those little bit, I mean, I always spoke to them, and even yeah. all of them, they had, they had my t- telephone number, They'd even ring up for a chat, mostly like Tony. Oh, yeah. we just want a story, and you end up giving what they want, and then you have a conversation with them, yeah. and you could say anything you want, knowing it was never going to be put out there, yeah, yeah. and that was the difference. We trusted them at the moment. Now you, s- they can't get a, they can't get a drip or, off of anyone now. Well, my
1: first job in radio, Capital Gold Radio, uh, first gig, which I done for seven years with, probably one of the best ever commentators, mm. Jonathan Pierce. Yeah. Jonathan actually started on Club Call at West Ham and mm. other clubs. Now Club Call was like a club line, yeah. just silly little tape recorder under you getting interviews with players, yeah. and I was the one that always stopped for him realized that he had a job to no, do give him a couple of what he called sound bites yeah. you know just to take back and everything whether we played well whether we played badly and then when i retired from football he remembered that yeah. i worked with him for seven years you know in, in a gratefully uh fulfilling job like brilliant yeah yeah yeah
0: absolutely you know it's manners though isn't it guys you know there's it's just being polite there's I understand that there's times where you don't want to talk because you've had a bad day. I also understand that there's times where you can't talk because it's something that you don't want to talk about or can't talk about. But at the same time, you know, good manners. There's, there's,
1: there's no. And can't buy your class, Rob. Exactly, mate. Exactly,
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, so with with your careers now, the transition from being absolutely at the pinnacle. You know, you both won Premier League titles. You. You, you know, you've played for England. You've played in a World I Cup. Let's say something. Yes,
2: Gailey hasn't delivered his medal yet. Oh, he hasn't.
0: Let's get Gailey's medal
1: up.
2: I can't get down yeah,
1: <laughs> it. So, Gailey's Gailey's medal. Yeah, they changed obviously. Like a couple of years later, that wasn't a lovely string, a uh, lovely bit of ribbon. Sorry, unlike your ribbon for your woke up with him <laughs> actually
0: <laughs> but, uh, have I got I'm yeah get your that. one I've out gone, well, come no, and come right. join <laughs> come and join
1: the gang come on so that that sat like that a good story about that was I lost that for a year I won it and. Lost you stick it. it through the washing machine uh, it looks like it needs a clean up at the moment doesn't it I, I like Paul's one that's, that's much yeah, better that's so great. obviously they cheapened it down a little bit <laughs> because I actually when I got it valued it ain't gold <laughs> it ain't gold but I lost it for a year and um I couldn't find it anywhere in the house because, you know, you don't put them on display or anything like that. So, looking all over, i go, where's that medal? Where's that medal? Went up to my mum and dad's one day. He went, do you want your medal back, son? I went, where's that been? It's been round his neck for a year in every cab shelter in London. It was a a cabbie. He was taking it round showing all the cabbies in London for about a year. Lovely. He had it, yeah, but... You know, they are... Medals are medals, but it's all up here and it's it's all memories. It doesn't matter about...
0: It's a, it's a trinket to remind you yeah. of the history that you've made, I think. And, you know, I, I I say this to the lads in the team as well. When when we're out, you know, it's it's lovely to be a part of history. You know, we're all a part of history in everything we do. Um, but when you're at this sort of level, you're not just a part of history, you're actually making a bit of it. And it's I think it's an honour and a privilege to actually be in a position to be able to make history as opposed to just either spectate and watch it or... or and like you said before the people that you're
1: with the people that you're with when you are winning or playing
0: downtime you know when when you're in an intense situation like that the the downtime after when you come off it it's it's really weird it's a huge um, it's a hugely emotional experience doing these things you know it's obviously physical uh, with you guys, you're, you're you're sportsmen. With us guys, I would say it's more endurance. You know, we're 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 not necessarily the sportsman athlete style, but 72 hours of being in an intense situation, which is our length of competition, it's it's massive. And you, when you finish it, you're just completely deflated. It, you're elated because you've won, but as soon as that elation drops down, we we've, we've gone for a few weeks. the, I adrenaline, don't know you, the
1: adrenaline keeps you going, doesn't it? Because sometimes. If you're looking at a forty-two game season, as it was with us, and cups, and uh, Europe, and league cups, FA cups, and you're talking about sixty games, mm-hmm. if you're Six, successful, and, yeah. And if you're and if you're f- looking at that before a season, you think, how are you going to get through that? How yeah. are you going to do that? You know, with in- and you know, maybe unlike today with sports science, they don't play. We played through all that. You know, some yeah, of the. Yeah some of our pals and you kicked for each that. other
0: a lot harder as well
1: uh, yeah you yeah. Don't, don't kick, was a lot you of don't kicking kick going anyone there. in Fish India. you no. <laughs> 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 Would you do hook them
0: yeah no but you know if you the, the the tackles are fierce now but you don't kick each other as much as you used to back in the, in the 70s and 80s you used to kick each it was other a, a lot. it was
1: a better not. <laughs> it wasn't a better game because people got kicked but it was a better game because it was more physical yeah, <laughs> it'd yeah. be interesting to see if those rules applied now yeah. on these lovely pitches I think it'd be an even better game hmm some I mean, of the players that we played with oh
2: yeah I mean I, I just I just think there was better individual players around there was more mavericks there was just more what's what I'm looking more players who could improvise and create than what there is now was
0: that because they were allowed to though y-
2: yes because, well yes, yeah, part and part but I look at it now where football now I find that they get good players given to them, and they take away the good bits to give yeah. them what they want to coach. Yeah, yeah, and they take away that bit to to express themselves. Robotic. It, yeah, is academies a yeah. can be robotic. Yeah, ca- yeah. yeah, and they take it away. And every I mean every game you go to now, and if you put four midfield players up against four midfield players, virtually yeah, all do, the same. they virtually do. They all do the same. Yeah, yeah. You know, same kind of side words. Don't give it away. Want me stats looking good? Yeah, just make it as unenjoyable as possible. Just go forward? No, that's not. A, there's not a safe pass there. Let's go sideways, and it's all very much predictable now. What you're going to see at top level football?
0: Yeah, is it money that's done that?
2: Yeah,
0: I think because it's ultimately, it's business, isn't it? Yeah,
2: fear, fear, so fear of failure. For and what? I, I, fear,
0: and fear of I, failure I, of losing fear, your face.
1: Yeah, fear of failure of coming is... out of a team, coming out of a squad, yeah. uh, financial things. Mm. Um, but I, I, I think the best players, and I'm sure Paul would agree, in the times that we played. Just had no fear. Yeah, play yeah. play without no fear. Street, just play street, with no kids, fear. Kids
2: do, yeah. Just kids who just love yeah. to play football. I just one if just just avoid Norman Hunters yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Billy, yeah. Billy Bremner as well. He was yeah. a tough old boy. Oh, that he? was all good. that was proper hard men about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you look
0: you look at the hard men of football now in comparison with the hard men of football as they were. Like Keno <laughs> was, he he was very in your face, wasn't he? Keane as well.
2: because well, the game allowed him to at that time to have that kind of presence. Yeah, and like, again, the refereeing was different. But I look at it, and you can't, you can't have players like that anymore. Yeah. Well, virtually, it's like getting football. It's like getting like basketball. You're, there's a lot of players who try and foul people out of games, yeah, yeah. constantly trying to get players booked, yeah. and then trying to force them off the park. And that's everyone. They say now, oh, it's part of the game. Oh, he's 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 earned that foul. When you think yeah. to yourself, no, yeah, a, you shouldn't earn a foul. No, you should should he? not you in as far well, as I'm concerned. it's the
1: analysis side of the game that kind of. Uh, you know I think like some, it's like paralysis by analysis sometimes yeah, yeah. you come in at half time everything's on the screen and what yeah. you've done right what you've done wrong yeah. and by the time you're going out for the second half you're going to be thinking yeah. because <coughs> football is if you give yourself a moment's thought you're lost Yeah, you've got to play instinctively whether you're stopping players or creating or whatever you've got to play instinctively yeah. and sometimes all the instincts been taken out yeah. of it because like you said don't
0: think just play Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. what do you think of Grealish then? Because Greeley seems to draw quite a few fouls all the time, doesn't he?
2: He does, but if he was being refereed by the same referee every game and he kept getting a the foul, then I might take that a little bit serious. But yeah. what Tony sees as a foul, I won't. What you see as a foul mm. might be different to what I'm saying. It's just, yeah. it, it doesn't make any sense. So when, so someone just clips somebody to go down, a lot of referees give it. So I, I don't... That, that's, that's nothing that you sh- he should ever brag about. Be yeah. honest, what he should be doing is every time he gets touched, you should make it, make it. I'm not going to fall down for yeah. you and carry on. That's the way to prove to somebody, yeah. rather than just falling down and earning a free kick. What's oh, yeah, t- answer your question. Uh, I'm not a fan. Yeah. Uh, I am.
1: Uh, we, we've had the debate before. That's why yeah. football's good. Yeah. I am. Mm-hmm. But uh, at Aston Villa, I thought he was terrific. Yeah. Now he's became two or three touches pass Man- Manchester City two or three touches pass yeah. and he's taken that into his England thing no take someone on get a cross in play a 1-2 get a shot in do what you you know initially came into football and you were really good at but I think with Jack Grealish sometimes off the pitch it doesn't do him any favours because mm. of the uh, goldfish bowl mentality of football off the pitch maybe We'd have, we'd have got away with that but he can't
0: some people stick a target on the back in, you know in rugby a few years ago Welsh rugby in particular Gavin Henson uh, yep. was another one and it was just as soon as he walked anywhere it was come on give me some stick hmm. and and you know whether that's good or bad uh, r- remains to be seen in the long term but I think it's uh, it, it certainly isn't the old game and I think the new game will change
1: anyway. yeah I just, I just think you know the, the more they keep under the radar the better yeah. there's loads of things in life that you can do and enjoy yeah. well certainly with that type of money Pop just up on the radar them. for
0: scoring goals and winning games. That's yeah. the best thing. Um, gents, we, we've nearly run out of time. I just want to go back to fishing again because we've touched mm-hmm. briefly on, on your latest fishing adventure, which is Speedy's Challenge. Uh, Speedy's Challenge is obviously taking the four of you back out again and pitting you against a top team. Completely different from the first one. Next, develop and, uh, de- next development in your angling. Um, how did you enjoy the competitive level against another team?
1: I loved it I thought it was terrific I thought if anything it was better than the first one we done because of the different challenges of it rather than just the band yeah we were doing everything else we we're doing everything else that was involved <laughs> in it and I thought we got a little bit more technical yeah uh, which I think from the first series you learn slow yourself <laughs> down don't panic just don't panic like don't get in a tizzy when you're baiting up don't do this with you know bail arm on bail arm off Lob it he's, out. He's talking this, about himself, that, by the way. <laughs> uh, don't, don't get in a tizzy. Uh, but I much preferred, this, I, I much preferred the, the the skill side of it, the yeah. accuracy of it, particularly when you're casting out. That's the, well, you knew a lot. lot
0: more for the second one. You know, the first one, to be fair, you'd never done it before, so you have, yeah, to, yeah. You have to go through that procedure. And, you know, angling, let's face it, if you buy a football from, from Sports Direct, it doesn't take the brains of Einstein, they stick it on the floor and kick it. Mm. Um, angling is a bit different from that you can't just buy a fishing rod and know how to do it you have to learn that progression and learning about
1: the fish as well like like kind of yes it's kind of fish care wasn't it because a couple of times i thought oh blimey is that hurting him or you know as in the fish yeah you know but you know you guys explain what to do and how to do it when you got to put them back in how to treat them when they come out you know don't do this don't do that but the guys that we work with in particular were outstanding. I can't speak highly yeah. enough of them and their patients. Yeah, absolutely. And you, Rob. Thanks. Thank you very much. World yeah. champion, of course, isn't
2: Oh, three. times. Three times. Three times. Not champion. just once. It's now. First management?
0: Uh, yeah, or? no. First, no. Um, uh, one as an angler. Yep. so first one is now well, two as management, two is, two is management. Yeah, but we're, we're, I'll just drop in that we're now ranked world number one as well so just thought we'll stick well, that one it in there it's one. <laughs> great news because
1: out- he had to go at my ribbon earlier great. great news for Outlaw Pro by the way <laughs> <laughs> great news for Outlaw Pro what
0: was your highlight from the match last time because <laughs> yeah. it was like quite low light. It, it was it was um, I you, thought
1: he was brilliant because he went from he couldn't handle a fish to actually enjoying it. Didn't he? Just
0: it's seeing his journey it was amazing because I remember yeah. I remember interviewing you before you'd started before you'd even picked a rod up. And it was like my mates are going to be watching this going what on earth earth are you doing and um, I think your quote was uh, not exactly but it was along the lines of um, if people ask about uh, Paul Parker of Fish in the Future I'd say it's going to be um, watch this space but I wouldn't watch for too long (laughs) that was it I'm not going to be doing this and yet you've liked it you've come back you've had another go I think you like the outfit
2: <laughs> you the out, you, the you out, like the outfit. the outfit this time around was was much better than the first one. But I've, I've got, got to say it's a lot better than the gear you normally wear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nasty! That's well off. I'll leave I'll leave your gear alone. By the way, I'm good like that. Yeah, no, but it was. I mean, beyond, when you're actually wearing you know the well, I don't know what to call it Prop, the, bib break, the bib and brace, bib and bib and brace. Okay, yeah, I didn't yeah. want to in case there was another name yeah. for it. Yeah. But you, you actually felt maybe part of it, that you're actually really there doing it rather than wearing shorts and what you, you actually felt that at the time you was an angler because you yeah, was yeah. wearing the appropriate um yeah. attire.
0: Stuff. And, Stuff. No, and you caught a few up there as well, didn't you? Did yes. 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 Not
2: at the right time though. Yeah. Not at the right time.
0: Well look, we're not going to give the game give away. away. Don't give the game away. Mm. But uh it Don't was it away. was a it was a really interesting learning curve. Mm. Um and I'm brilliant to spectate, just seeing your journey from firstly having never fished before coming through learning how to fish then going into a team event is there anything in the pipeline for the future are we going to be able to get you out and catch I, i'd like to take you and catch a really big fish now
1: i'd like to go abroad i'd okay. like to do a little bit of traveling and um yeah. maybe do it a little bit abroad yeah It'd be be interesting and uh Some getting warm. in the actual water with yeah. it and actually like... catching one like i don't know yeah
0: that big. I reckon we should, take, boat size. We should take Paul out <laughs> and see if we can catch a shark as big as him. So I reckon we could do that on a boat as well. We can
2: talk about Paul, but <laughs> it's not going to be this Paul. This Paul isn't <laughs> going <laughs> to be there when if we talk about sharks. Like we'll do it. You don't we'll fancy do it. a boat and some sharks then? Oh, because well, yeah. well, oh, he's on about getting in now, kind of going, yeah. what, and a shark? Oh, I'd love to do that. Yeah. Was, oh, how Get cool in the
0: cage. would that be? Swim? No, in the not, not in a cage, go and
1: swim. I've oh, got to swim. I think I'd have the cage.
0: We've got loads of blue sharks in the UK, loads and loads of blue sharks. There's a massive amount of tuna coming in now as well. And uh, someone the other day had a thousand pound tuna, which is about eight, eight foot long. Wow. um Just absolutely incredible the sport fishing we've got. So we'll have to see if we can. Uh, Go out and see if we can catch a fish bigger than us. Oh, yeah. How we'll cool some, would that we'll be some. as a challenge? Well,
1: it won't be bigger than me, but it might be bigger than me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, look, folks, that, that's it. It's such a pleasure to spend any time with these lads. They've got great stories. As you can hear, Tony, just he's, he's a permanent laugh all the time. There's always a giggle. And you've just got to wait until Speedy's Challenge comes out to see exactly what these boys have been doing. It has been brilliant. It's always a pleasure, like I say, to have you in. Thank you ever so much for your time. That is all we've got time for, for the time. Thank bit. you,
1: Rob. Nice to be and in the yeah. presence
2: of a world champion. Oh, yes. Has oh. he did told you? <laughs> I mean, he did, yeah, but he <laughs> co- <laughs> he come downstairs, though. He had s- I don't know what it was. Did he just cut something off of someone's know, dress or something? Ribbon <laughs> off a a or something? It was a yeah. rainbow or something the
1: old TV programme, yeah. wasn't it, you know? <laughs> History <laughs> is made.
0: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you ever so much for watching. Don't forget, give us a like, give us a follow, and tune in again for the next Outlaw Pro Outcast very soon. Thanks for listening to the Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro, the ultimate angling experience. Remember to follow us on social media for updates and information on future guests. See you next time.